0: Welcome to this episode of Come Follow Me, A Disciple's Journey. I will tell you that we're going to talk about section 29 of the Doctrine and Covenants in this episode. Whether or not we've covered the whole thing, I reserve the right to make that judgment as I go. It may cover the whole thing. It may stop uh, a section and pick up in another episode. We'll see how this goes. So, hopefully by now you've listened to the introductory episode, and you have a a little bit of an understanding of the historical context, what's going on, where we are in time, 1830, September. The Lord's now speaking through the prophet and to the prophet Joseph Smith. So section 29 in verse uh, 4, the Lord says, Verily I say unto you that ye are chosen out of the world to declare my gospel with the sound of of rejoicing, as with the voice of a trump. Uh, verse 5 also mm-hmm. says, Lift up your hearts and be glad, for I am in your midst, and I am your advocate with the Father, and it is His good will to give you the kingdom. So a few things here. John chapter 17 comes to mind, uh, which is the great intercessory prayer, where the Lord tells us that, uh, or the, where Christ is, is praying, and he, and he's in His prayer He says to His Father, uh, that he's grateful that for those whom he has uh, given him, that he has chosen out of the world. Uh, Third Nephi, he uh, says some similar uh, shares some a similar sentiment. So what do we? What can we learn from that? It means that we, as his disciples, should be out of the world. We should be separate and different and unique, and that we should declare his gospel. Not with mourn, not mournfully, not in a fearful way, but how with the sound of rejoicing. And the verse five that I read is the reason why why we can do that, because He is our advocate, He is our representative to the Father. In section forty-five of the Doctrine and Covenants that we'll we'll be studying in a few weeks, but um, it's it actually has this is one of my favorite verses in all the doc, in all of Doctrine and Covenants says. Listen to him who is the advocate with the Father, who is pleading your cause before him, saying, "Father, behold the sufferings and death of him who did no sin, in whom thou wast well pleased. Behold the blood of thy Son which was shed, the blood of him whom thou gavest, that thy might that thyself m- might be glorified. Wherefore, Father, spare these my brethren that believe on my name, that they may come unto me and have everlasting life." That's what, that's what it, the Savior does for us. At, And that's what it means that he's our advocate. That's why we can declare it with rejoicing and why we shouldn't be fearful. That's why we should uh, boldly and nobly and uh, bravely and with courage separate ourselves from the world so that we can be his uh, chosen out of the world. From April 1993, uh, John M. Madsen said, all who know and understand the glorious work of redemption wrought by the Lord Jesus Christ, and all who know of his majesty and power and promises understand that they are to be of good cheer. They who have come to know him do not fear. They look unto him in every thought. They do not doubt, and they fear not. They know that he, the Lord Jesus Christ, is with them, and that he will stand by them. As we continue into the section, we get into the Lord uh, discussing the gathering of Israel. Uh In verse 7, he teaches us what the elect, who the elect are, and how we can recognize them. And ye are called to bring to pass the gathering of mine elect. For mine elect hear my voice, and harden not their hearts. The elect hear his voice, and harden not their hearts. President Nelson encouraging and pleading with us to hear him. He's encouraging us to be the elect. How can we find the elect and recognize the elect as we teach the gospel throughout the world? It's those who hear his voice, recognize that it is him speaking, and not a 19-year-old missionary or 20-year-old missionary, an 18-year-old missionary. It's those who hear the voice of the prophet and say, that's the voice of God. And then they hearken, and they follow, because they didn't harden their hearts. Uh, Verse 8 talks about gathering into one place. Um, Harold B. Lee clarified some of this for us because originally the saints were gathering together in one body physically, in one location. Harold B. Lee said, The spirit of gathering has been with the church from the days of that restoration. Those who are of the blood of Israel have a righteous desire after they are baptized to gather together with the body of the saints at the designated place. The Lord has placed the responsibility for directing the work of gathering in the hands of the leaders of the church to whom he will reveal his will where, where and when such gatherings would take place in the future. It would be well, before the frightening events concerning the fulfillments of all God's promises and predictions are upon us, that the saints in every land prepare themselves and look forward to the instruction that shall come from them from the first presidency of this church as to where they shall be gathered, and not be disturbed by their feelings until such instructions is given uh, to them and it is revealed by the Lord to the proper authority." So he says, Look, don't, you don't need to worry about gathering to some specific place now until the Lord tells his prophet. Spencer B. Kimball said, The gathering of Israel consists of joining the true church and coming to a knowledge of the true God. Any person, therefore, who has accepted the restored gospel and who now seeks to worship the Lord in his own tongue and with the saints in the nations where he lives has complied with the law of gathering of Israel and is heir to all the blessings promised the saints in these last days so what is it the gathering is a spiritual gathering it's coming to the knowledge of the truth and joining the kingdom of god on earth that's what it is um, president nelson said here on earth missionary work is crucial to the gathering of israel consequently servants of the lord have gone forth proclaiming the restoration in many nations our missionaries have searched for those of scattered israel the choice to come the choice to come unto christ is not a matter of physical location It is a matter of individual commitment. People can be brought to the knowledge of the Lord without leaving their homeland. True, in the early days of the church, conversion often meant emigration as well. But now the gathering takes place in each nation. The Lord has decreed the establishment of Zion in each realm where he has given his saints their uh, birth and nationality. Scripture foretells that the people shall be gathered home to the land of their inheritance, and shall be established in all their lands of promise. Every nation is to, is the gathering place for its own people, said Bruce R. McConkie. The place of gathering for the Brazilian saints is in Brazil. The place of gathering in the Nigerian saints is in Nigeria. The place of gathering for the Korean saints is in Korea, and so forth. Zion is the pure in heart. Zion is wherever righteous saints are. Publications, communications, congregations are now such that nearly all members have access to the doctrines, keys ordinances and blessings of the gospel regardless of their location that's what the gathering of israel is that's what the building up of zion is it's to gather the pure in heart it's to gather the elect and who are the elect again it's those who hear the voice of the lord the word of the lord and harden not their hearts our greatest mission our greatest cause right now our greatest goal and desire in these the last days should be to gather israel and build zion what does gathering israel mean Gathering in Israel means finding the elect. How do we find the elect? Well, we do it through temple and family history work. The gathering doesn't care about death. They can be gathered on this side of the veil or the other. We gather by uh, sharing the gospel through missionary work, through the missionary program, sending young missionaries out and senior missionaries. We do it by sharing the gospel with those around us. I live here in Utah, and there is... Uh, while, while the gathering is not a physical to a physical location, there are many many people from uh, many parts of the world, but various, especially you know, other states of the United States, moving to the United, to, moving to Utah at this time. Uh, I live in Utah County, and we're seeing crazy boom in, in population. Uh, President, uh, I want to I actually want to say it was. Uh, President Ballard, so President of the Quorum of the Twelve, uh, spoke a few years ago to incoming mission presidents, um, and he pulled aside, there was three new mission presidents, I think, at the time, who were just starting uh, here in Utah. So different various missions here in Utah. And he pulled them aside, and he specifically said to them, Utah is growing, the population is growing, people think that they're moving here, for jobs, for work, but what they're really moving here for is to find the gospel, find those people. So the gathering of Israel means us sharing what we have, sharing our knowledge with our neighbors, with our friends, because that's how we find the elect. That's how we find out that they are elect, because we have to share the vo- the voice and the word of the Lord with them, so that they can hear it and not harden their hearts. And then as we seek to build Zion, what does that mean? It doesn't mean going to Jackson County, Missouri at this time. What it means is being the pure in heart. What it means is find, having unity within our homes, having unity within our neighborhoods, our wards, our stakes. That is how we build Zion. That is how we prepare for the coming of the Lord. Uh, I wasn't going to share this talk, and so I don't know how it pulled up but I want to say it's a, it's called like preparing for the coming of the Lord or something like that from about two years ago, elder Christofferson he talked about going to a conference with other uh, faith based leaders. Right. And they're talking about this and that, and they're talking about, it was a, it was a conference about, you know, helping the poor and overcoming racism and just, you know, societal issues is what it was about. And, Christofferson, who Christopherson, who uh, I can't remember exactly what committee he and like what he leads up but he that's kind of his what he focuses on is those kinds of things um, and so he's the one that gets assigned to go to these types of conferences so it's on his mind a lot and he said though that something came to him where he realized that a lot of resources and time are being spent to solve these problems which is good you know he he says he makes a point to say those are good efforts, and those are good things to be trying to overcome. But then he realized that, and he remembered some scriptures that t- promise us that when the Lord comes again, there will be peace, that the lamb and the lion will lay down, that there won't be racism and there won't be poverty, be, there won't be there will be distinction between men. And so his point that he then goes on to make is that we should, while taking an effort to solve those societal problems, yes, we should also be remembering to prepare the world for the second coming of the Lord. And that means gathering Israel and building Zion. Because those problems, those societal ills, will never go away until Christ comes. But when He does come, and we are prepared to meet Him, then all will be made right. And so if we want to fight racism, if we want to fight world hunger and war and poverty, then, yeah, absolutely. Join, join causes and fights and, and quote-unquote fights, right? Not, you know what I mean? But our, our focus should be on the gathering of Israel and building up of Zion. The gospel of Jesus Christ and his atoning power and sacrifice— is the cure to all the ills of the world. And while we, we will not cure this the entire societal ills, what we can do and what he can do and will do because of his power and love and mercy is he can cure individual lives of those issues and those problems. And as individuals are cured and healed by the great by the master healer, the great physician, then what happens is Israel is gathered. Zion is built till there is a people prepared and ready to meet him at his coming. Verse 9 makes it clear that at his coming there is a literal burning. There is something that is going to happen to the wicked and there is a sifting. That's what the building of Zion and gathering of Israel is, is, is in part 4. 35-11 tells us that all the elements will will melt with a fervent heat. Uh, Malachi uh, and and in third Nephi as well tell us who shall abide the the coming of the of uh, excuse me, but who may abide the day of his coming and who shall stand when he appears for he is like a refiner's fire. I mean it, it's clear uh, through through many scriptures, and why is that? Because Christ is a glorified celestial being. And the glory of such beings is comparable to that of the sun. See section 76, right? When he comes again, his glory will be consuming. It will consume the mountains, and the mountains will flow down, and all the elements will melt with the fervent heat. Hebrews tells us this. Doctrine and Covenants section 133. Like I said, Malachi, uh, Third Nephi, Ezekiel. And so I, I can't help but think, global warming, global warming is going to happen. We can't stop it but it's going to happen when he comes. The real, true glo- warming of the globe is going to happen when Christ comes. And it's funny because, it, and it's funny in an ironic kind of way, right? There's a lot of things about climate change and what the dangers of that are, when really what we should be aiming for is we should all be preparing and uh, hoping and uh, to usher in, quote-unquote, the global warming of the of the of Christ's second coming um in uh so section it reverses you know really 8 through i don't know 21 talks about the second coming and the wicked and uh but w- what i will say is i just recently read the second coming of the lord a book by gerald lund and it's it's a it's a pretty impressive book in that he has compiled so many different references about the second coming from ancient scripture, modern scripture, modern revelation, and uh, it's 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 pretty. Th- this topic is robust enough that there's a several hundred page book where it's just Gerald Lund laying out all of these doctrines and then giving some commentary. And so to try to compile it into this episode, try to compile it into even section just 29 is a difficult thing to do. I will say section 29 is one of the most uh, used sections from his uh, in his book. Section 45 is another one. And so as you study this week, know that like the, these doctrines are core doctrines. This is the core, like they're, they're, they're central doctrines to the, the second coming found in this section uh, joseph fielding smith said the world is rapidly coming to an end that is the end of the days of wickedness when it is fully ripe in the iniquity the lord will come in clouds of heaven to take vengeance on the ungodly for his wrath is kindled against them do not think that he delayeth his coming many of the signs of his coming have been given and so we uh, so we may if we will know that the day is even now at our doors he gave that in 1836. One of the reasons I brought up uh, Gerald Lund's book is that he says something pretty cool. He wrote the, an original um, The Coming of the Lord book, and then he republished it just last year as The Second Coming of the Lord. Because he the original was published, I think, in the late 70s. And as he was thinking about things, you know... In his book and just the second coming, he realized that many of the things that he talked about as being future events, prophecies, have since been fulfilled since his, orig- his original book. So in, in 40 some odd years, there, he's seen those things come to pass. And so now some things that were prophecy in 19, even late 70s, are now, they're not prophecies anymore, they're history. And so we live in this time where those, those, all these prophecies that have yet to be fulfilled will soon be fulfilled. The second coming of the Lord is is coming, and it is up to us to, and it is, and it behooves us to be prepared and to prepare those around us. All right. So I've decided that this is where we're going to end. Um, I've only got a few verses in, but then the rest of the ver, I have. I have fewer words to say about the rest of the section, and so I think uh, we'll do another episode that will be um, the rest of the of the section. So, uh, thanks for listening. I hope that as you study this week and as you ponder the second coming of the Lord, you uh, will find. I hope that you find some some truths that are comforting to you, and you learn some some doctrinal truths that will help you to uh, share the knowledge of the gospel that you have with those around you. Thanks for joining me. I hope you join me in the next episode as we continue and finish Section 29 of the Doctrine and Covenants.